0: My name is alex back founder at engineering futures and the host of techcast365 whether you are a student fresh grad or looking to make your next step in your career your journey to become more inspired and connected to the deeper world of technology and engineering starts here in today's episode i'll be chatting with rama javid the director of engineering at delivery founded in 2013 by will Shu in london england Deliveroo's takeaway food delivery service has continued to grow year on year. Due to its success, Deliveroo now operates in over 200 locations around the world and has recently announced plans to go public on the London Stock Exchange. Hi, hi Rama. Thank you so much for joining me on TechCast 365. Um, So before we discuss your current role as a director of engineering at Deliveroo, uh, can you tell me where you began your career and how did you get into engineering?
1: Uh, Yeah, sure. Uh, So thank you, Alex. Uh, It's great to be on this. Uh, And yeah, in terms of a little bit more of an introduction about me and how I got started in engineering. um, So I I began my career um, in engineering uh, in in Toronto. That's where I grew up. So I studied at the University of Toronto. And um, during that time, I did a couple of internships, one at IBM and then the other one at Research in Motion Um, and then from a full-time perspective like after graduating I got started at Microsoft in Seattle.
0: That's fantastic and um, you mentioned in our previous conversations that you almost went down the medical route Um, was that just a phase or why the sudden sort of change?
1: i think as a child i was extremely intrigued by the human anatomy um and i thought that one way to fulfill that curiosity was to go into medicine um and i think i quickly kind of realized through like you know a series of um courses in biology in my high school that um okay that's just a curiosity i don't want to actually build a whole career on it Mm.
0: i think it's really interesting when you mentioned the whole curiosity aspect i think everyone's sort of Initially, when you're a child, you always dream big, right? So I wanted to become a vet. When I was a child, um, but then, you know, as I grew older, it didn't interest me as much as it did back then because I loved animals and I still do to this day. But, um, you know, you learn new skills, you evolve with the times and, you know, new technologies are coming out and then these things sort of interest you. And then you sort of learn more about yourself and who you are as a person as well, which all sort of interlink together. Um, but yeah, so you, you know, you must have achieved so much throughout your career to date um but could you summarize you know your greatest achievements so far um both professionally and personally
1: i think from a sort of like professional perspective like it's hard to pick just one because i think you know every single thing that helps you overcome challenges helps you overcome your sort of like own innate fears Um, you know, I, I think that those are like all sort of like great achievements and stuff. Um, I think personally for me, um, the ones that have actually had like some level of an impact on society, um, they really make me feel a lot more fulfilled. Um, so one example of that would be, um, leading the 529 product with back when I was at WellTurned, which is an education savings plans for children for their college education. So parents, grandparents, siblings, really anyone can go ahead and open a fund to save for a child's college education. And any money that you appreciate as part of those investments is all tax free as long as you use it for college. Um, And that was the first automated um, college savings plan that we had in the country. Um, And it competed with the big ones that you had, like Vanguard um, and Charles Schwab and stuff. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, I think that one was, was one that was probably closer to my heart. And then I would say, like, another one more recently, probably this year, was all the work that, like, you know, my team did to ensure that, Restaurants are able to survive soon after the lockdown had hit, and people were mostly at home. And so, all of the roadmaps that we had to fast track in order to ensure that we got restaurants onboarded onto Deliveroo as a platform, and they could still survive as a business. I think you know that has a lot of cascading effects, um, not just to the restaurant business owners, but also to the staff that still stays employed because you know you still have a functioning business. So yeah, I, I think both of those for me are like um, more achievements that I would say like on a professional front.
0: And would you say you have any role models out there that you look up to or aspire to be one day or follow in the footsteps?
1: I, I think for me, like I think you can find like something inspirational in almost every human being out there. I think almost everyone is an inspiration of itself. It just depends on your perspective and how you're looking at it. I think I, I would say though, like, You know, someone like, you know, Melinda Gates, who's, you know, achieved so much from a success perspective, but still believes strongly in, like, philanthropy and still spends a lot of her time doing that um, effort to actually, again, have more of a social impact onto the world. I think for me, like, you know, those examples really stand out.
0: So in terms of then your family background, are any of your other, have you inspired any other members of your family to get into engineering too? Or, you know, are are your parents engineers? Um, I know you mentioned that you were you know, interested in medicine to start off with. Is there anyone out there that sort of inspired you also?
1: Yeah, we uh, we have um, quite a bit of engineers in the family, but I, I don't think any of that ever influenced me to go into engineering. Mm. In fact, it probably put me off to a certain degree because I just <laughs> thought it was something that everyone kind of just did and there was nothing unique or novel about it.
0: oh no well you're in engineering so you clearly didn't get put off (laughs) um but yes i'm really so your motives to succeed then i've always been interested in people's motives um what would you say is your greatest motive to get to where you are today for all those people out there who aspire to be in a place like yourself um later on in life
1: Um, I think actually honestly for for a lot of human beings and I would say for myself too that would depend on like a little bit of your hierarchy of needs so I would say when I started off my motivations um, worked probably to get like you know a good paying job and then it was about that specific role or that title that you really wanted Um, but I think you know I'm probably at that phase now where my motivation is more about the impact that I have right like the impact that I have with the people that I work with um, my own growth right so how am I how like If I'm able to grow both personally and professionally through my experiences and then the impact that I have on society. And I think, you know, um, the bigger I can be uh, getting, like the bigger of an impact I can make there, I think that's a stronger motivation.
0: Yeah, 100 percent agree with you with the whole sort of um, it's in relation to your needs. Um, Obviously, when you're a grad, you, you want to get that, you know, that dream job, your first grad job. You want to get your first paycheck. I think that's one of your main aspirations. And then it sort of develops from there on. So, yeah, so definitely it is, it is a stepping stone process. But, uh, you know, moving on to the sort of hurdles and getting, you know, climbing that career ladder, getting to the next step. And for example, to where you are today, I'm sure it hasn't been an easy ride for you, um, especially a woman in tech as well. So, so tell me a little bit about then your sort of hurdles you've overcome. Um, in the workplace
1: Um, and you know actually you know being a bit of a different person in the room right and almost actually adjusting to that norm um, still having a voice to speak up right like you know still feeling like you know empowered to speak up like you know I think all a lot of like sort of like issues that that we talk about like um, and even if the ones that I haven't faced firsthand I can like you know say that like you know I have like other female colleagues who have faced that um so I, I think you know it can be a challenging environment, but I think at the end of the day it's it's more important to realize that like, you know, this is the system and like you know, we need to figure out a way in which we need to thrive and succeed and like you know almost champion each other. Um in, in terms of like a more general hurdle, I think it's about surviving in a room in which you never made any of the rules and no one who looked like you or thought like you made any of the rules. Um and so the game the game that you have to play is is with rules that were just really like never like you know designed for you in in a way and stuff um and yeah i mean i would i mean i think there's been a bunch of hurdles like across the board but even things like you know not being able to for example like something like the pop culture that exists here right like that was something that i wasn't personally comfortable with and stuff um but then realizing and appreciating that a lot of others you know they get time in the larger leadership circle, in the closest circle, as long as they go and hang out at the pub. Um, But being actually, like, almost okay with that and and being okay with the fact that, like, no, my value needs to come out of those conversations, right? Uh, But then still appreciating that there's probably something that you are leaving at the table. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I think, like, you know, you you kind of start off in – in, in a position that doesn't fully benefit you and you're in a system that doesn't have the rules that fully benefit you. Um, but I think it's, it's really about like appreciating and, and you know, opening and, and helping others and paving the way for them.
0: Yeah, I didn't agree with you there. Um, and I noticed you won the Digital and Technology Award at the Women of the Future program. So well done. Uh, can you tell Thank me you. a little bit more about that um, and any sort of advice for aspiring women leaders in technology?
1: So, yeah, I mean, I think in terms of like any sort of aspiring women leaders in technology, I think, you know, one of the first things would be that like it is a challenging place. Um, We need to ensure that um, we kind of almost like create like a support group and a support circle for ourselves. I think a lot of times when we talk about the diversity um, challenges and issues, we should ensure that like, you know, the men in the room are our sponsors and, and they're there. And so it doesn't become a very much of a one sided conversation in which it's like, a bunch of women who end up going and just speaking about the issues but there's no sort of like plan forward um and yeah i mean I, I think i would just say like you know stay strong and stuff and and you know feel empowered like you know things might not always go right um but continue to feel empowered and actually also know that you are actually at the end of the day going to be a role model for someone else um, so all the challenges and hurdles that you're going through um, hopefully if you're able to succeed out of them successfully like you know that's going to be inspiring for someone else um, you know who's looking up to you.
0: And in your current position then um, I imagine you're leading a large team um, would you say you're a naturally born leader or did this uh, leadership skill was this sort of over a period of time?
1: Um, yeah I don't know what the term naturally born leader actually means <laughs> um, I think it's a very interesting term and I think it's a bit uh, it might be a bit pompous for me to call myself a naturally born leader um but uh, yeah i mean i think for me i think i i've, I've learned a lot about leadership by looking and you know um looking at the challenges and looking at like um the leaders around me right like so i one of the core things that i do look for when i work at a place is like who am i going to be reporting to how am I going to be learning from them, right? Because I think in any different place that you go to, there's like a two-sided thing. It's about like what you're able to bring to the table and how you're going to be a beneficial addition to that company. But I think the other part of it is going to be how that company and how that peer group and how that management and leadership is going to impact you. Um, So I think I've learned a lot through my own mentors and like, you know, like leaders that I've seen around me um and I, and I continue to learn so I, I just yeah I think it'll be really hard for me to characterize myself as a naturally born leader yeah. so yeah that's fair enough
0: I just hear this conversation of people and entrepreneurs saying you know you know I'm a naturally born leader I think there's a bit of this sort of ego <laughs> that gets people's heads so uh.
1: Yeah. yeah, I think I think that's another very interesting sort of like a almost like a gender observation that you can make. Mm. Like women, oftentimes are not gonna go out there um, and and call themselves like you know and and have those sort of like you know ego drives and stuff and and call themselves naturally born leader or like being amazing at things. Like I think that's another thing that we probably need to combat because it starts to work against you. Mm. So.
0: Definitely. I think there's a massive sort of sense of fear as well. um, And, you know, the fear of failure, uh, especially with women, because there's not really, like you said, a huge network for people to sort of um, go to as well. So obviously, that's definitely something that we need to sort of promote and uh, really, you know, inspire younger uh, women leaders as well. And so... Moving on to obviously the big topic of gender diversity and inclusion um, so I was looking up some research so uh, WISE campaign so stats from 2019 state that women are currently making up only sort of 24% of core STEM workforce. Um, And then as well, the Royal Academy of Engineering also state that in 2019, just 7.8% of engineering professionals come from BAME backgrounds. Uh, What are your sort of thoughts on these statistics? And uh, are you seeing any action which is taking place to improve this?
1: Um, I mean I think the, the statistics effectively reflect of how it is in the industry and I think in a lot of places it might be a lot less um, than those statistics as well. I think um, sort of like a key point for me has always been that we, when we talk about gender and diversity, we need to look at it not just at the grassroots level, not at the entry level, but, like, actually a lot of a lot of stuff at the senior leadership level. Mm-hmm. And I think there we need to actually make sure that we have programs and, you know, processes in place that actually facilitate um, women maturing through an organization and women being promoted in an organization. So I think a lot of times what, we, what you would find with companies is that they try to, like, almost, um, like, uh, just, like, rubber tape a problem by... Hiring external talent in leadership, and you know that's that. Where it's it definitely is still challenging for anyone to actually progress in in the actual system itself. So I think you know the more examples we have in which someone who started off at like you know a very junior level and then is able to progress to the top, I think you know that's a very good success story. Um, because otherwise, if you just hire externally and you're not actually addressing the core problem, you're just doing like a quick fix to it, and in fact, you're actually introducing more people who are then going to be involved in that challenging situation and challenging society, like challenging environment and organization. And I've seen that kind of like firsthand in which like, you know, an exec was hired and they were like a female exec, but they were just not able to thrive into the system because there were just challenges in, in it existingly. So I think one of that is like, you know, is extremely important. I think what that also does is like the more women you see at the top, the more women you see at senior leadership level, that actually creates a lot of inspiration and success stories for people to look up to. So if you are feeling like I've had it and, you know, I can't go on anymore, if you do have those examples to look up to then like you yourself are almost in a way like able to tell yourself that like okay I can make it I can succeed because look someone else did too right rather than if you just because I think one of the other sort of um, statistics or like you know the more sort of things that I've observed is that like you you get women to like the mid-level leadership um, but then they start to just taper off right and that happens for like a lot of various reasons um, one of them is even actually like something like maternity leave right where a woman go off to maternity leave and then they come back six months eight months whatever that timeline may be um, and then the workplace has just drastically changed because tech moves so fast mm-hmm. right Um, and I think we need to actually like, you know, normalize that level of leave. Um, we need to share that leave between both parents. Um, and we need to actually really ensure that we're facilitating a path back for women into the workforce. Because then a lot of times they have a competing constraint of like, well, do I really want to come back and start over from like, somewhat of a scratch you know surface um or do i just go back and focus on like you know other things in my life in which they actually have other things going on mm. so i think you know those are like you know really the things that we need to like really really focus on and, and make sure that we have a plan forward for those
0: yeah that's so true well that this is the whole sort of purpose of this podcast to try and inspire and educate people into careers in stem um but you know you've you've been educated in canada um I'm just wondering whether you know if there's well if if there's any sort of big difference in the education system out there and in the UK and you know whether you know we can all learn from each other to try and sort of close this skills gap that we're sort of living in at the moment.
1: Um, I think I would say, like, just in terms of the education system, I think I was just quite surprised to find the level of different tiers of education that exist. So there's state schools, there's private schools, there's public school. I still don't have it completely <laughs> right because I think it's a bit flipped from, like, the states and stuff. Yeah. Um, and I think uh, I think I feel like sometimes these different tiers can, like, almost perpetuate a stronger class system. Um, that actually probably doesn't exist to, like, you know, a certain degree in the States or Canada, which is where I grew up. Um, so there, like, you know, you would only have, like, public schools where most people would attend. You would have, like, maybe, like, some elite class going to, like, you know, a private school. Um, and, and that would be, like, the majority of it, right? But you could still succeed very well into the system um, by going all your life to a public school. Whereas I feel like here, um, it it's almost a bit of, like, it perpetuates itself like you know if, if you go to a certain school then it really sets you up for success um, versus if you are not in that environment and in that school and stuff So I haven't actually gone into any of that system itself here because I've only moved here in the last two and a half years yeah. um, but just noticing that um, I, and I think having like a very multi-tier system um, I don't think it, it really helps you set up um, more of an equal society with equal opportunity
0: and then um, for those who are looking to go into tech you know uh, and especially now because of lockdown and COVID and things like that you know there's a uh, people can upskill learn new things they want to change their career direction uh, what sort of trends are you seeing currently out there and um, what would you sort of advise Uh, young people
1: to learn I mean I think the thing is it really depends on their um, sort of like interest areas and expertise I think you know engineering or tech is a pretty broad spectrum so you don't even have to like you know be someone who codes and stuff like you know you can go into other fields and stuff like there's a lot of like other disciplines whether that's like product um whether that's design right so you don't need to be someone who has those like mathematics skills right like you know you could be very creative and, and find out like a very um like comfortable career in design right um so i think like you know the the opportunity for like a wide variety of people um with different expertise um it can definitely be hosted in tech um, so I would really, I think I would really like to it on people and, and sort of, you know, where their interests lie and, and where their interest is, whether that's back end development, mobile development, iOS, um, like, you know, full stack, um, whatever that means from an engineering development, it could be in product, it could be in design, yeah. it could be on content, right? Um, I would say, though, like, particularly on engineering, I think it's actually quite interesting to see how much things like machine learning has become more and more prevalent, um and i think it's probably become probably going to become more and more of a staple of like what you need to know as a computer scientist right so Mm -hmm. similar to like you know how years ago before you graduated you needed to ensure that you have you know understanding of like distributed systems and databases and and all of those things all those concepts i think machine learning is gonna if it hasn't already um gonna become one of those norms in which it's not a specialization
0: so i presume you're remote working at the moment um obviously with the current climate with covid um do you reckon you guys are working you know performing better um at home or um would you you know prefer everyone to be in the office like what's your sort of um what's your way of working at delivery
1: um but i i would say i think the thing is like it has its phases so i mean i think Right now, because everyone's remote, um, it's kind of working out because, you know, this is the fashion in the system. I think, you know, once things start to open up and you have maybe half of people remote and the other half not, I think we're gonna get into some more challenges before. I would say in terms of productivity, like, you know, it's been like, um, it hasn't been like completely standard. Like, you know, the numbers has obviously shifted um, over the time period and stuff. And so um, I, I think it's also just very contingent on where you are as a company and what you need. So our productivity, became extremely high in March, you know, back when we got into a lockdown, I need to bring up a lot of roadmaps um, in just to make sure that we're shipping and delivering the right set of things um, to help, whether that's our riders, whether that's our restaurants or our consumers. Um, but I think like, you know, overall, like, you know, it's, it has its own set of challenges, what you say. Personally, I think I probably have gone back and forth. In terms of like you know what I would like, I, I do feel like from a leadership and a management perspective, it is good to actually have face time with people with individuals. Mm-hmm. Um, you know when otherwise it can be quite jarring to just be sitting at your laptop. Yeah. Um, you know for like you know for the entire day just you know opening one meeting to another and shifting mm-hmm. into that. So I think the sort of social aspect of it, like I I really do miss that. Um, as well as like you know just the aspect of like you know just walking around and like you know maybe not every single meeting needs to be in the meeting room I can just go and like you know, have a walk or a one-on-one um and 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 just like I, I feel like sometimes just like you know if, if you need to talk to someone like rather than scheduling a meeting specifically on their calendars I could just go grab them for like a minute and stuff um so that aspect I, I do really do miss and uh I presume obviously you
0: know quite a lot of people's mental health has been affected by this uh has it affected you at all or
1: I would say probably like a little bit. Um so I mean I think twenty twenty overall has gotten a lot of us thinking about a lot of us a lot yeah. of things. Um so like, you know, it's like even even people who are like, for example, living in cities like London, like, you know, it almost makes you think to go, like, well, why am I still living here? Yeah. Like, would it be better if I go off to the countryside? Like, you know, do I need to be paying this higher of a rent if like, mm-hmm. you know, my location doesn't hold that much value anymore? Yeah. Um, and I think from like a mental health challenge, yeah. I mean, I think it's like being sort of like excluded in, in your own flat, um, And so like, you know, all the elements which made London a lot more fun and for you to actually forget about like the crappy weather, they kind of don't exist. So now you're just left with the crappy weather um, <laughs> in a darker apartment. Um, so I think, you know, that's, totally plays into it but I think it really kind of just depends a lot on your perspective so one of the things I was able to do back in March when COVID hit was like go back to Toronto and spend time with my family I was working remotely from there but that was a very unique experience because I moved out like more than a decade ago and I had never gone back for more than a week and so being there for like a couple months um, was just a very interesting experience Um, and it was a very positive experience to be honest Um, and I think a lot of people ended up doing that so it really depends on like you're just in a new norm now it's a different situation how are you going to make the most out of it
0: yeah absolutely and uh, at delivery then are you before covid were you all for flexible working because i know lots of people are now switching their sort of habits uh, with the workforce uh is that something you've always done um
1: i think in terms of flexible working like we did we we considered that and, and we allowed as much flexibility as we could but i think overall as a company we just hadn't gone towards a massive like you know it's okay to like work because I think the challenges still existed of you being the only person who's remote or maybe working from home and everyone else is, you know, in that room and stuff. And I faced that a bit because I used to, you know, sometimes travel to New York because they have an office there. Um, and just being a part of like the leadership meetings there was just quite challenging because you're just not into the room. So even in, if you had to share an opinion or say something, it almost felt like you were interrupting a meeting. Um, and so like that, that definitely existed. Um, I think now we're probably like with a lot of companies, I, I think working remotely has almost opened up the opportunity to figure out like, how are we gonna make this work for everyone, right? given that some people might be in the room, some people might not be in the room. Um, so I think there's just a lot more thought given to all of this right now and a lot more importance given to it as well.
0: So to summarise then, um, what sort of final advice would you give to like students who are, you know, the job market isn't great at the moment, but what sort of advice would you give to them, grads and young professionals to take away from this podcast?
1: Um, I think probably one of the biggest learnings for myself has been um, being a bit more open to experience. Sometimes you have, in your mind of like I need this job and I need this role and I need this to happen and you know xyz things are going to make me happy in life and if i get and until i get them i'm not going to be happy i think you know if, if nothing else even 2020 has ex- taught us to be how unexpected life can really be um but to actually make the most out of like the situation that you're in right so yeah you might have graduated and you might not have landed the job that you had wanted um but yeah be open about the opportunities and experiences that you have and see what you can take away from that and see and just allow that to like let you grow and impact you as an individual and as a human being um because i think the more amount of sort of like diverse and unique experiences that you have the more um open-minded and like you know the more you grow as an individual and as a person
0: well thank you so much rama for today um it's been really insightful and i hope people have you know taken away some really key tips and uh inspiration from this talk so uh, thank you so much
1: thank you alex
0: like Share, subscribe, and review this podcast to get others inspired in engineering and technology. To find out more, go to engfutures.com. Join us next time on TechCast365 with me, Alex Back.